0: Episode 87, You've Got a Friend in Me. I'm Morgan Shortle, and you're listening to the August 12th, 2009 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. Two men from different backgrounds formed a strong bond in Kansas during the 1850s. One was white. The other american indian they had such a strong friendship that when one left town the other carved a beautiful walking stick for him as a going away present today we learn about this cane and how men from opposing cultures could become such great friends movie westerns teach us that whites and indians could only shoot at each other but is this real history and speaking of shoot em up westerns later we'll try to connect william allen white to george armstrong custer known to his enemies as Goldilocks. This general led the 7th Cavalry to its last stand at Little Bighorn. Most people either love him or hate him, but which side was William Allen White on? Find out when we play Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, You've Got a Friend in Me.
1: You've
2: got a friend in me. You've got a in the
0: road. Today we're talking about a hand-carved cane that's around 140 years old. Will you, can you describe the cane for us?
2: Yeah, uh, and there's pictures on the website too that people can see, but it's a really interesting cane. It's wood, and uh, like most canes today, I think we think of that crooked top like mm-hmm. Little Bo Peep, but this one kind of, yeah, <laughs> this one doesn't look anything like that. It's got sort of a teardrop-shaped top that's ca- almost like a knob. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the rest of the cane is black, but it's carved with figures that stand in relief, or they're raised and the figures are tinted or stained different colors so that they really pop out like greens and reds Uh and yellows. Um, So it's, it's really a beautiful example of folk art alone, but it's the history that really makes it special.
0: And so, can you describe why yeah. this
2: is so special? Yeah, um, it's it's different from other canes in our collection because it's got a really cool past. It was carved by an American Indian named Charles Blue Jacket for his white friend named Charles Bowles. Maybe that's yeah. part of the reason they were it's friends. So I didn't think about it. We'll just refer to them as Bulls and Blue Jacket from now on, since they're both named Charles. Um, it was probably carved when uh, Blue Jacket left Kansas for Oklahoma to join his tribe, his, the Shawnee tribe. He was mostly Shawnee Indian um, in Oklahoma, or Indian territory at that time. Um, and they had been friends when Blue Jacket left Kansas. They'd been friends for 20 years or more. Um, their friendship is uh, pretty Dated from pretty early um, era in Kansas, 1850s, um, and a lot of the symbols on that cane. You know, these guys are long dead now. We can only kind of suppose what those symbols might mean. But the figures, a lot of the figures, have meaning in both Native American and I would presume white or Christian cultures. For example, um, the cane has a rattlesnake that's coiled around the shaft. It's really neat. You've seen it. It's mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Um, and there's a turtle carved near the top, and both of those animals, rattlesnake and turtle, were carved on pillars that were in the Shawnee Council House in northeast Kansas, the tribal council house. Um, So that is really strong um, Native American meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also got a spread eagle, like an American eagle with the wings spread and a tiny little snake in its mouth. That's like classic United States eagle. Um, And uh, then there's this red shape at the very top that looks like a heart, only it's not like a classic country heart from today, the pretty heart shape. It looks more like a real heart, um, and it looks to be beating, which as that shows up in a lot of Christian uh, symbology. So I'm thinking there's a little bit of Christianity, yeah. a little Native American, and a little white, all mixed in in this cane, which makes a lot of sense when you know a little bit about these
0: two guys and how mm-hmm. they
2: interacted.
0: Yeah, and so we have other canes in our collection, yeah, too. So what? why is this one so different from the other ones? Well, because it's so beautifully carved. Most of our other canes were just very, you know,
2: functional. Like mm-hmm. like I talked about the crook neck one, that just plain wood, you know, stained one color not decorative at all. Um, so the, the fact that this one is just a wonderful example of folk art alone makes it really special um, and valuable for us. But then this great connection with these two men, one white, one Indian in Kansas, sends it over the top.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's hard to tell from the pictures online that how beautiful it is. Yeah,
2: it's yeah, it's really gorgeous. So,
0: how did Bulls and Blue Jacket
2: know each other? Well, they were both living in Kansas Territory in the 1850s. Um, Bulls was sent here by the Methodist Church. Uh, as a missionary, and his mission was to preach to the Shawnees. Mm-hmm. So he was based out of Shawnee Indian Mission, which is now in Kansas City, um, and he was a circuit rider. So he would go out on the Shawnee Indian Reservation and preach to different um, Shawnee groups. Uh, Blue Jacket, um, he was part white, as much as far as we know, uh, part white. Um, he was what the Shawnees would consider to be one of the more... Um, I hate to use the word civilized, but um, he was more what you would, what a historian would call acculturated. You know, he was, he had been around whites a long time, so he was also a very, very religious person because he had attended mission schools in Ohio and in Kansas. He went to a Quaker mission school in Kansas. He was a very prosperous farmer here. He owned a lot of land, um, and they apparently um, their paths crossed a lot when Bowles was out doing his. Search writing for the Methodist mission. Um, and then because Blue Jacket was so religious, um, he started to lead a prayer group. And eventually, after about seven or eight years of them knowing each other, Blue Jacket became a missionary himself. He was ordained a Methodist minister. So that probably the big thing that they share is that they were both really religious people.
0: So was this an unusual friendship I mean, for whites and American Indians to be friends? Is that unusual? Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, I, I think— I, I, At first, I I thought
2: it would be. I mean, was that your first reaction? Because we're, you know, we're just not used to that image of, you know, two guys from totally different backgrounds finding common ground but um, the more you read about this era the more you realize it wasn't terribly unusual especially if they shared a common interest like this religion mm-hmm. um, and there's stories about um, military officers being sent out west to solve the indian problem um, and you know thinking that all indians were savages and uh, needed to be exterminated and they come out here and they start to talk to these leaders tribal leaders and they realize that these people are so articulate and bright And they end up having a really serious respect for them, and they fight for their rights back in Washington, which didn't please the people in Washington (laughs) so much. So I think it's just like people anywhere, you know, if you can find respect for another individual, um, it kind of crosses cultural boundaries um, and differences. And so, Bulls and Blue Jacket's friendship wasn't really terribly unusual. That's that's pretty cool.
0: It is. Um, so we've established that Bulls and Blue Jacket were hanging around Shawnee and mm-hmm. Indian Mission a lot because they were both missionaries. Um, we know that place pretty well, which is in the middle of Kansas City in this green patch, but maybe 11 acres. Yeah, that sounds there's, about right. And there's four buildings, three or four buildings uh-huh. on the site, and it's really nice. Um, but can you describe uh, what the mission looked like in the 1850s? Yeah, well, um, it wouldn't have been
2: surrounded by suburban in kansas city as it is today all those beautiful houses um it was about two thousand acres back then and there really was let's see i'm trying to remember the history of kansas city if kansas city existed at all it was a tiny little town i think westport which Mm -hmm. is now part of kansas city um not too far yeah yeah right real close um Westport's a really fun place to hang out on Friday night for any of our listeners out there. (laughs) Um, But um, back in those days, there just really weren't that many people living here. Um, So the mission had all this room, 2,000 acres. And like most missions, it was there not only to preach to the Indian children, but also to teach them skills that they could conceivably use as adults trying to make it in a white man's world. So the mission had all this farmland. They were teaching Indian children how to farm. The missionaries were how to do things like uh, blacksmith, how mm-hmm. to make shoes, uh, how to make barrels. I mean, there's all sorts of different crafts that different missions were teaching these Indian children. Um, the interesting thing about Shawnee Indian Mission was it was considered an exemplary school by the by everybody around the country, the Methodists especially. Um, the federal government sank a lot of money into it. So the buildings that survive today, there's, are there three big brick buildings? There are really, subs- yeah. maybe four. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Every yeah,
0: three in the little shed. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. The there's two really substantial brick buildings that were schoolhouses and dormitories there, mm-hmm. and they're still buildings that I think they're kind of like places. Yeah, you know, you, you've been there a lot they're, because you've done the exhibits. Yeah, on them they're and, solid. And they're, yeah, really, they're pretty cool. They're they're really nice buildings. Mm-hmm. So it it would have been a huge place back then, mm-hmm. and a lot of people coming and going, and it was uh, on the. Santa Fe and Oregon Trails. So there were a lot of people passing
0: through, too. Very busy place. Yeah, and I just want to add that the... uh Shawnee Indian Mission is a site that's managed by the Kansas Historical Society for the listeners out there. Yeah, and you can see it today (laughs) on most days. (laughs) It's well worth the trip. It is. Uh, So my last question to you is if you were carving a cane for a friend, what kind of figures would you put on it? For example, if I I were to carve a cane for my husband, I'd probably put computers and maybe some (laughs) circuit boards. He's kind of a computer geek. So who would you carve a cane for and what would Uh be on it? Well,
2: obviously, I would think about my husband too. <laughs> too, and uh, a cane for him would have cats and bicycles <laughs> That's yeah. cats. <laughs> you, you know him too well right yeah cats and bicycles but then I was thinking if I was carving a cane for some of my female friends there would be other things that we would share like ice cream cones oh, <laughs> yeah. ice cream being a big you know social thing desserts mm-hmm. and museums I don't know if you could carve a museum building with you know pillars on it on a cane you know the blue jacket <laughs> carved a snake coiled around this cane so maybe you could wrap a museum yeah. building around a cane
0: just yeah maybe just just draw or carve a bunch of stuff and there's the artifacts oh yeah that's area. right that's i'll just carve <laughs> the objects yeah. on it i don't think i'll be doing that anytime yeah soon. it does take a lot of time <laughs> great thanks rebecca you're welcome Now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. Joining me today are Teresa Jenkins. Hello. And Nicholas Zimmerman. Hello. Hi, guys. Today we're trying to connect white to the infamous george armstrong custer custer led the seventh cavalry in the disastrous campaign against the sioux at little bighorn and at one time he was stationed in kansas with the seventh when his headquarters were at fort riley and we were lucky enough to have some custer artifacts in our collection one being a dumb- dumbbell he used to <laughs> pump some iron while visiting fort hayes and we also have a pair of his riding boots which you can see on exhibit in our main gallery and nikaela i believe you have a solution connecting custer to william allen
3: White. i sure do in 1876, Custer received a summons from the Senate. Um, he had given some some testimony in another case, and he left Washington then and got called back because he was being accused of perjury and for disparagement of brother officers. He sounds like a really great guy. <laughs> so um, when he got called back to Washington um, from with the summons, General Sherman requested that Custer be released so that he could carry out campaign against the Sioux, and Sherman made this request to the then-Secretary of War, Alfonso Taft. Alfonso Taft served as Attorney General, as well as Secretary of War, later on, um, under President Ulysses S. Grant. and Taft was the originator of a political dynasty that would include senators, governors, ambassadors, and eventually one president, his son, William Howard Taft, and Taft, as we know, spent time in the Emporia home of William Allen White while he was campaigning for the presidency. So how many degrees is that? That's like two or three degrees. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they could have been like best
1: buds. (laughs) (laughs) And Teresa, you have one too. I do. Um, A little less direct. As Morgan said, Custer led the 7th Cavalry at the Battle of Little Bighorn, and one of his men was Captain Miles Keogh, who was riding his buckskin bay-gelding Comanche. Keo and his entire detachment were killed in the battle, but Comanche was found a few days later alive, but really badly wounded. The horse was retired, but he was kept as sort of a pet at Fort Riley <laughs> and, <laughs> and was brought out for parades and special events and when he died in 1890 his remains were sent to the Natural History Museum at the University of Kansas and he was preserved for exhibit apparently not very well. (laughs) In the late 30's Custer enthusiast E.S. Luce visited the museum and was saddened by his condition and began a campaign to have him re-preserved and moved to a Custer museum. Well, William Allen White pledged his support to Luce by offering his editorial influence and told Luce Quote, let me know when to fire, and I'll let go with both barrels. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, Luce's campaign and others like it were unsuccessful. And fortunately for us, Comanche underwent a major restoration in 04, and you can still see him at KU. Which I have. Yes. yes. have we all? <laughs> yeah, before, he was pretty rough. He was. He pretty bad. He looks good now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And Kaylee, would you like to issue the challenge for the next episode? You bet. Next time, we want you to connect William Allen White to Walter Cronkite. The most trusted man in America was born in St. Joseph, Missouri, just across the river from Kansas. Yippee! (laughs) And later was a sports announcer in Kansas City before becoming an anchorman for the CBS Evening News. Cronkite recently made the news when he passed away at the age of 92.
0: So if you think you can connect William Allen White to the man who told us President Kennedy had just been shot, just send your solution to podcasts at kshs.org. That's podcasts with an S. That concludes episode 87, You've Got a Friend in Me. To see photos of the hand-carved walking stick, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on Podcasts. Would you like to see the Cool Things podcast ranked higher on iTunes? Help us out by leaving a comment, or better yet, a five-star rating. Go to the iTunes store, then search for Cool Things. Click on our podcast and throw us some stars. Come back in two weeks when Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman takes us back to World War I. We'll look at a nurse's uniform from the battlefields of the First Great War. What horrors did Nurse Evelyn Myers see in Europe nearly a century ago? Join us in two weeks to find out. This podcast has been a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories. There
2: isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together, to see it through. Cause you've got a friend in me. you got a friend in me.